Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coast Podcast. My name is Kyle. And I'm Misha, and today we're going to be talking about episodes one and two of The Last Dance, which is the ESPN documentary series, uh, 10-part documentary series, that is essentially going to be telling the story of the Chicago Bulls 1997-1998 team, uh, which basically had the future of the dynasty in doubt throughout that season. Um, and we're going to see that play out over the next couple of weeks, uh, thankfully, filling the gap uh, with uh, that's currently there without sports in the midst of the coronavirus. Um, but both Kyle and I are huge basketball fans, obviously. Kyle used to play uh, pretty competitively, I less so, um, but we nevertheless idolized Michael Jordan growing up. Um, and yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, I really enjoyed the first two episodes. I want to say that um, when I was younger, I actually really liked Michael Jordan. I still do, and I had a, a jersey of his. Um, I even asked my mom to cut my hair like him, and I think when I went to school, everyone thought I had some sort of cancer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was my, that was my experience with wanting to be like Michael Jordan when I was younger. Um, but yeah, like you said, this is a highly anticipated docu-series on the Bulls and Michael Jordan. And I think instead of doing like a traditional like recap of everything, we're just going to kind of talk about it just kind of yeah, back and forth definitely. and what we like, the, the good parts, the not so good parts. Um, but to kind of start it off, I really enjoyed the, how the episode opens in episode one, how it pretty much goes through the process of introducing the main characters that we'll see throughout the documentary, namely like the members of the bulls that, you know, were featured heavily, like, you know, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Rodman, Phil Jackson, and Steve Kerr. Um, but it was like the way they introduced themselves was as if someone may be watching this unaware of who they are. And Michael Jordan yeah. was just like, hi, I'm Michael Jordan. I played for the Bulls from 1984 to 1998, and I had an 18-month vacation slash hiatus. Yeah, I, I definitely noticed that as well. Um and yeah, I agree. Like setting the stage is important in any documentary, and it was really cool. You know, not only did you see the players, like you said, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman. You also had Phil Jackson, of course. You had Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Chicago Bulls at the time. Um, even you know, plenty of people from the press. You get like Michael Wilbon. You know, faces you'd recognize if you went and watched an NBA game. Were they still going on? Of course. Yeah, and then you get to like Dennis Rodman his introduction which was like oh Dennis Rodman what's up like just completely still in character that he's been yeah. his entire life and um as it kind of goes through I I had like a split decision on, on this one but I was like I really liked how they kind of leaned in on Michael Jordan's early basketball career but then I also kind of thought it was kind of a takeaway of the episode sure um, cause I mean, we could pretty much spend the rest of our lives, like watching clips and hearing stories about the early days of Michael Jordan's basketball career. Cause you know, he is probably the single most interesting athlete of our lifetime. Of course you have LeBron and everything now. Um, yeah, I think, I think what was so cool about watching it mm -hmm. is like Michael's legacy really transcended sports and even just like the states like the united states like when they show him going overseas to play in paris right 
It's like I'm sure NBA stars get like noticed overseas, but he was literally getting like mobbed by parrot like French people who mm-hmm. probably didn't really all watch all that much, but he just like you know of the legacy of Michael Jordan and I think this uh this documentary I think is a bit it's a bit confusing that it's supposed to be the story of the 97 98 Bulls yet like you said it kind of flashes back to his early childhood his high school career his college career at the same time like I'm definitely willing to overlook that because a I love Michael Jordan and will watch and listen to like any of his stories or any of his teammates stories and B, like, I'll take what I can get because there's no sports going on right now, you know? Right. And I think why I kind of thought it was kind of a takeaway from the episode was it seems like the first two episodes that's supposed to be about the 97, 98 Bulls at time felt like more like two parts about Jordan's life. Like, again, I liked it because I like learning about his life and everything, but it also so much time is spent on him at North Carolina in his first few years in the league that it kind of took away from that inside look around that 97, 98 bulls team. Yeah. I guess you could argue that it's partly just like exposition for people who maybe aren't, you know, super knowledgeable at MJ to understand Mm -hmm. his competitive drive um, and his intensity. Because even in the second episode where they're basically talking about Scottie Pippen holding out, uh, during that 97, 98 season, mm-hmm. um, you know, MJ, his like claws come out when he's talking like with in practice with his teammates. Um, and he even said, he was like, you know, this documentary is going to make me look like an asshole. Right. And I think it was his son actually, who was like, that's the price of winning. That's what dad always told us. So I think that, like, if anything, it's maybe they're just trying to establish that for people who might not be familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad thing. It's just right. It, it just relies quite heavily on that early on. But definitely, I mean, having said that, I really enjoyed also watching those Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen highlights, especially from college. And I think watching them play together is really cool. And um, then you also have their clips from North Carolina and um, Central Arkansas, and that was a really cool thing as well. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely seen MJ like clips of him playing at UNC, but I, I honestly couldn't have told you before this documentary where Scottie Pippen played at. Yeah, um, me too. And it was cool seeing him. I mean, like you could almost make an argument that his story is almost as intriguing as MJ's or if not more. Mm-hmm. Cause I think they were saying that he started as like a team manager at central Arkansas. Yeah. Um, he, he was like six, one as a freshman. And then by the time he left, he was six, seven. Yeah. I mean, you can't make it to the NBA after that. I don't know what it's going to take. Yeah, that was crazy. And then we kind of move on to the the storyline of who Jerry Krause was. Um, for me, yeah. that was kind of a negative in the episode. But what did you kind of think about that? So, honestly, I like I was probably too young to really understand any of what was going on at the time i you know at the time of this telling i was like three or four years old mm-hmm. um but i did think it was a little unfair that they basically laid at jerry Krause's feet who passed away in 2017 almost all of the responsibility for like the team kind of falling apart um and this kind of animosity between teammates and coaches and the fans and the people in the organization so it would have been nice 
if this had come out at a time that Jerry Krause maybe could have like defended himself. Um, but to me, it just seemed a little off. Yeah, it's he's definitely like the antagonist to just about everyone. He's like constantly yelled at and taunted by Michael Jordan, who pretty much like always just jokes on him for like being short and overweight. And then you had like yeah, those were pretty intense clips. Yeah, like Michael or then Scottie Pippen, who seemed to like to hate him for entertaining like entertaining these trade talks, and then later you know demanding a trade himself. Um, and you can definitely still sense some of the animosity decades later over how it all went down and that he was pretty much like the driving force in breaking up this dynasty at the time. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely some moves that it seemed like could definitely be attributed to Jerry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it deserved a lot of the stuff, especially some of the taunting that MJ and Pippin kind of initiated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were just like, they, yeah, the players just generally seemed to hate the man and like would just, for lack of better words, just like dunk on him in front of everyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, looking back at, he is like animatedly short and, a little bit like overweight and just like I don't, he just looks like an easy target mm-hmm. yeah um, <laughs> well i think but, someone even said that like he was like he grew up the short fat kid he was always the underdog and now he was in a position of power where he can control the stakes and you know when that happens yeah. with someone like that and i guess you know say what you will about the, like them kind of using him as the scapegoat, but it definitely serves as sort of the arc and the, like the conflict for, for moving the story of this kind of last dance forward. Yeah. I mean, he, the last dance only happens because of Kraus. both, you know, in making right. it like, this is the definitive last season and that, and the dynasty doesn't look the same, you know, without the team he built around Jordan. So, yeah, and he, he was the one who orchestrated the Pippin trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he went out and got Bill Cartwright, even though he had sent Charles Oakley away. Um, right, so he yeah. definitely, you know, had that hand in forming the dynasty, which to me, looking like watching this, this, or this, yeah, I guess it's technically like a film, like a documentary series. I would say this is easily a better dynasty than the Warriors, um, you know, that we know in present day, not only because of the wins, but just watching the clips of them just dominating and these super intense personalities, like it's hard to really put them side by side. Yeah. It's just, I mean, we've kind of grown up watching the warriors kind of dominate and you kind of look back on these documentaries when the bulls were dominating and it just feels different. Like we don't, like have these players that are so revered in the public eye. It's like a lot of the times nowadays, if your team is so good, people just hate on you because you're good. Where it seemed like <laughs> in, you know, back in the eighties right. and nineties when the bulls were winning, people loved the bulls. Everyone was a bulls fan and it didn't seem like there was a lot of like that animosity that you have for success that you have nowadays in the modern NBA which might be somewhat like attributable to just like social media and the like incessant and never ending arguments about who's the greatest and you know, what was the best team of all time. 
Um, but the one the one quote that stuck out to me from the series in episode one, I forget which reporter was saying it, but he was like, it's not like you'd go to see a guy today and you only had 12 points. It never happened with MJ. Because like, even if you think of like today's stars, like a LeBron or uh, you know a KD, it's very rare that they're going to score less than, say, like 20. But they mm-hmm. have their off nights. But right. it's just like MJ, his intensity and his will to win was so great that it was that's what made his legacy what it was yeah he played um i think someone else said in the in the show that you know there's there's one person in that crowd that's never seen him play before so he wanted to go all out just for that one person who's maybe seen him yeah. and, and show that what he can do yeah and again with the way it is today with social media and a lot of things like that um seems like a lot of times besides like LeBron and KD and Giannis, like those people, the players that get to an elevated position, they kind of just stop. They kind of stop there. I won a championship or whatever. I'm, I won MVP one year and then they just kind of stop. They don't ever continue to peak upwards. James Harden, for example. Sure. Yeah. And I think, I think what episode two and obviously these were served back to back and I think that's going to be the format for the next couple of weeks. Uh, but what episode two really made clear, and I, I think it's a really interesting profile of MJ that we've never seen before mm-hmm. is that like he was essentially fighting for his father's approval throughout his whole childhood. And that you could tell he was like getting emotional when he was talking about it in his fifties. Um, so you know right. that it's interesting to see exactly what his motivation was. Yeah. And then I really enjoyed the, the few clips that we got from David Stern, um, you know, yeah. for most of our our time growing up, David Stern has always been the commissioner, um, and it was cool to see him before he unfortunately passed away. Um, was it last year? Yeah, it was actually yeah. I think January first of this year. Oh, it was okay. like on New Year's, but yeah, it was cool to see him in his younger days, uh, both like announcing Michael's pick, mm-hmm. um, but even in that scene at that exhibition in paris um just seeing the two of them chatting and michael was like asking about his wife and it's obvious that like you know obviously mj was the face of the franchise or of the the league really mm-hmm. uh so you want to be on good terms but it seemed like they were potentially close maybe even friends right yeah what do you think about this bulls traveling cocaine circus well i thought it was interesting like i never realized until really watching this that like MJ essentially put the Bulls on the map. Um, yeah. It's not like the Lakers or the Celtics where before they had, uh, say, like Paul Pierce or Kobe, they were like dominant franchises before. It's like the Bulls, they were pretty much always bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Do you do you believe, MJ, that he didn't partake in all of the uh, extracurriculars? Um, I, I, don't, I laughed when he said that everyone else was doing stuff and he wasn't um i don't know if i laughed because i didn't believe him but it seems like someone in his mindset at that time wanting to be the best wanting to be better than anyone else that he really wouldn't probably partake in all that stuff um yeah but again maybe later on in the in his career maybe i don't know it's hard to say yeah because i know he sort of has not necessarily like a reputation but he definitely he's kind of known for you know he enjoys like he drink he smokes a lot of cigars uh he drinks a lot but maybe that's just him you know having kind of achieved the peak 
of what you know professional basketball player can achieve just kind of like letting loose after his uh he kind of fulfills his legacy but um i mean i I can believe it and he did look he just came across so innocent in his younger days um you know very reserved and it wouldn't surprise me if he was kind of the goody uh, yeah. Or like the voice of reason amongst his uh, his party writing players, writing letters home to his mom. Like, yeah, that was cool. Um, and I, I'd actually never really heard much about Michael's parents except for his father dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was cool to see clips of them in their younger days too. Yeah, that was cool. I think seeing um. When, Bob Costa's hair was pretty cool. Looking at his hair. <laughs> yeah, he was barely recognizable. Yeah. Those suits, like so much wasted suit fabric back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. What was up with the baggy suits? I don't know. It's like every pair of pants is like a 34, 17,000. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like, that was in, I guess, back then. Yeah, I don't know. It's. It seemed odd, and I, I'm glad it's not a thing anymore. Um, but that was just kind of a funny little, little thing that we had to deal with. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I don't know if you caught this during the documentary, but it seemed like when he was being drafted, um, you know, the Rockets took Hakeem Olajuwon, um, which everybody still is kind of like, can't really blame the Rockets for that. And then the Blazers took Sam Bowie because they needed a uh, a center. And when Michael was drafted, it was like, it seemed to be weird that back then, basically not being taller than 6'6 meant that like everyone expected him to be bad. Right. Um, Which, you know, we kind of know that the game is accelerated in pace these days, but it's weird to think that the game was so dominated by bigs that Mm -hmm. someone like Michael Jordan, who they saw just dunking on people in college, they thought he like wasn't going to be good. Right, yeah, like the three-point game was nearly non-existent. It was all like inside and like mid-range jumpers. And they even mentioned in the documentary that Michael Jordan's life would be pretty much completely altered if the Summer Olympics in 84 were before the draft because people would have seen him play and he most likely would have been drafted number one by Houston. And then, you know, his whole trajectory of his career after that would have been different. They were only like a few months apart, yeah. the draft and the Summer Olympics. So, which they uh, they essentially dominated in. And Bob Knight, I think, called him like the greatest player he'd ever seen as mm-hmm. a kid coming out of college. Pretty incredible. Yeah, and then the ending of the first episode is the ring ceremony. That's pretty much starts the nineteen ninety seven ninety eight season, and there's like no, and probably never will be a better like intro then what the what MJ and the Bulls had in the 90s was um serious that song serious by the Alan Parsons project yeah it's pretty much like synonymous with like this era of Bulls basketball and it even like gave me chills watching it where you hear like the chords of that song like I'm not going to do it on here but I'll play it in the beginning of this episode and you kind of hear in the Bulls PA announcers like 66 from North Carolina and then the and the song plays and yeah. they run out it's hard for that not to hype you up. I think they even like they would play that. It's just like synonymous with like the, the hype up. Like mm-hmm. I think they played it at basketball games at our high school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's hard not to get excited. 
Although the one episode, one one-hour episode to kind of introduce the season is a roundabout way of kicking off a, a series about one NBA right. season, I think. Right, yeah. And then you kind of dive into the second episode. And for me, one of my, I guess, negatives was, and we kind of mentioned it before, was Scottie Pippen's timing. So, again, the second episode focuses heavily on Pippen with a heavy focus on how he was like wildly underpaid by the time this final season um, arrived. He was and the last on his contract and he pretty, he signed, he had signed with like a seven million eight or seven year, $18 million deal in 1991. And that left him as the league's 122nd highest paid player. Um, During the 97, 98 season, I believe though. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. It so was yeah. when he was like 122nd, but still kind of and i think what you're getting at with the timing is that they were mm-hmm. saying that like right after that uh signing this really kind of strangely long-term deal the league kind of exploded and the revenues exploded um and the, thusly kind of the player's share of the revenue exploded and jerry reinsdorf basically was like you know you got i wouldn't sign this deal because once you do we're not going to renegotiate and uh that was kind of the impetus that kind of set off that or kind of created that animosity between uh scotty pippen and the bulls that kind of plays out throughout the second episode yeah and then we saw that scotty pippen saw it as a necessary step to pretty much take long-term stability over the possibility of actually making far more money especially coming from like this poor family in Arkansas. I think he had 11 brothers and sisters. His father was stuck in a wheelchair since he was 12 due to a stroke. And he pre he quotes in the, in the episode saying that he felt like he couldn't gamble on himself getting injured and not being able to provide for his family. And he kind of needed to make sure that the people in his corner were taken care of. So he, he chose that stability over the immediate financial gain, which is something you'll ever hear about. Yeah, that one was kind of a head scratcher for me because I can't recall. Is the NBA the one that all contracts are guaranteed? Um, I don't remember either. Because I, to me, like if that money, it's not football. That's for sure. Right. If it's guaranteed, then maybe it makes sense to sign a long-term deal if your your motivation is taking care of your family. But to me, it just seemed like why not just sign a shorter-term deal and ask for more and. Like I'm sure he could have gotten paid like ten to fifteen million dollars a season, you know, during his tenure with the Bulls. Yeah. Yeah, and we've already mentioned that, you know, by the time he did reach his contract year, he was incredibly underpaid and he was dealing with that ruptured tendon and his ankle, right? Yeah, ruptured tendon and kind of the controversy was that he could have taken the summer to get the surgery and rehab, but instead decided to kind of like he said enjoy his summer. I don't, I don't know what that means as an NBA player. Yeah. Uh, and it obviously kind of drew the ire of both MJ, Reinsdorf, and actually I think Phil Jackson defended him for it, but um, most of his teammates were kind of left scratching their heads. Yeah. And again, what's fascinating about the Pippen situation is that without Pippen's massively undervalued, with him being undervalued as the sixth highest paid player during their bulls run, they might've never even had the opportunity to win six rings. Right. 
and on, yeah. a, on a more personal level, I guess it diminished his earning potential significantly. And again, his timing on signing that deal was miserable given that the league salary cap more than doubled from, I think it was like 12.5 million to 26.7 million over the life of his deal. And at a team level, though it gave them flexibility within the salary cap to build a stronger roster than, you know, they may have otherwise if Pippen, I think have been appropriately compensated. Yeah. And it was just never, I never really understood how underrated he was. I think they were saying he was like going into that season. He was first in assists, second in points and rebounds. He was first in steals, but he was sixth in salary. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I just shared the Bleacher Report graphic with you, but if you were to put that in today's terms of who the 122nd ranked person in salary is in the NBA, the equivalent would be Andre Roberson, who I can't even tell you who he plays for right now. Right. Um, but that just gives you an idea of how out of whack that compensation situation was. Mm-hmm. Did you think that there was some... What's the right word? Um, like the... The episode it jumps around a lot. It it's not very yeah. fluid. I I definitely got that sense, and to me, some of the jumps didn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like midway through the Scottie Pippen episode, the second episode, they like go back to talk about MJ's foot injury in his sophomore season, and his like sixty three point game in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but. What's different about that and the previous flashbacks they'd done to like his high school career and stuff like that is it it wasn't really like setting the scene for anything. It was more just like, hey, this was a cool thing that MJ did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, that's fine. I guess maybe in these first two episodes they're just trying to draw people in to the story. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But um and then those trivia breaks, uh, I didn't get any of those right. I got close on the second one, but yeah, I'm over two so far. Yeah. Those, those are fun though. I like those little breaks. And, um, also if you are watching this and noticing that it's also produced by Netflix, that Netflix title right now. So the last dance is only showing on Netflix outside of the United States. So if you're listening to this oh, and you were wondering why you can't find it on Netflix, it's because it's not currently on Netflix in the United States. And, I don't even think there's a time right now of when it will be in the U.S. on Netflix. So you're stuck to the watch ESPN app or just live on your cable television. Yeah, yeah. and it uh, it actually set a viewership record for ESPN. Um, I don't think for like a live sporting event, obviously, but for something like a, a special program or a documentary series, it, it averaged 6.1 million viewers last night. Wow. Wow. Well, we've always really enjoyed their 30 for 30s also. And this is, isn't this by the yeah. same studio that does those? I believe it is. Oh, yeah. yeah I want to say so. ESPN Films. Yeah, kind of backtracking. Like, this camera crew had access for this entire season. I think you even mentioned it in, in your notes. Like, what's being filmed right now we don't know about that's going to be a documentary right. in 15, 20 years. Like, that's it's right. interesting that they give the media that sort of access. I don't know if they do anymore, but yeah, but back then no, it's it was cool, cool that like people just have the wherewithal to know that like something is going to become a great story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there still is stuff like that. Um, like even with like Tiger King, which I know 
we didn't really talk about at length, but um, like even people documenting the story of this zoo, like had plenty of video footage from years and years and years. You think about what these major sporting events right. um, garner in terms of attention. Um, like we were talking before, before recording this, that like, do you think they'll do like a LeBron James winning the 2016 finals against the dynasty warriors? Um, or, you know, like what, what other stories are out there that are waiting to be told? Right. Yeah. Would you, do you have a favorite sports documentary going into this that you've seen? Ooh, uh, good question. I think in terms of just like magnitude, there was the one Icarus a few years ago Mm -hmm. that basically broke like the Russian doping scandal. And I have to say that's up there for me, mainly just because of the real world effect that it had and basically bringing to light that entire scandal, which was basically, they they like kind of stumbled upon it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, that was that was kind of mine. How about you? Um, so I saw the LeBron James one that came out. That was a long time ago. It was like mainly about him uh, in high school. More than a game. More than a game. Yeah, I saw that one. I really enjoyed that one. But probably for me, my mind's only going basketball right now. But I really enjoyed, and I've probably seen it three or four times, was Showtime's Kobe Bryant's Muse. Did you get a chance to watch no, that? I don't know that I've seen that one. So yeah, it's on Showtime. It's called Kobe Bryant's Muse. It's pretty much about his kind of personal life, but it kind of focused around when he tore his Achilles and pretty much how that shaped the rest of his career and what he had to go through in terms of getting past that injury. And he talks about some personal stuff like with his wife and that, that subject and, it was really well done. Showtime did a good job and it's a little bit more, um, what's the right word? Explicit. Um, just like raw. Yeah. Like- yeah. Yeah. Raw, I guess is good. Like it's, it's on Showtime. Like I don't think this would be aired on a, sure. On national cable television, which it just gives you a little bit more of an insight and, it's a little bit more true to the story, I think. Yeah, I I almost want like a more explicit version of the Last Dance. I don't know about you. Yeah. Um, so they have they have the normal one that we saw on ESPN, and then they have an edited version on ESPN two that runs simultaneously. So if you don't want the language and all that, then you watch the ESPN two one. But we need like the HBO version. Yeah. Yeah, because I've heard some stories, um, and even just seeing kind of that little glimpse at him, like going after t- Tony Kukoc um, or Ron Harper in practice when they're missing Scottie Pippen, um, mm-hmm. or even like when they're trying to get their first road win in '97, and MJ's is like, "I'm not going to say this shit again." Like, right? Like just going after his teammates was so interesting to see, just how like dominant and competitive of a personality he is. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. I'm I'm excited to see the next two episodes. Again, it's going to be two episodes for the next five weeks, um, equaling a 10-part docuseries. Um, so we'll pretty much cover these yeah. um, Monday. Couldn't have come at a better time, too. <laughs> yeah, especially with what's going on and the lack of sports. This definitely um, takes that. Did you have any final thoughts on The Last Dance? No, I think it's, you know, the magnitude of it, um, all the sports personalities and, you know, getting to see glimpses of even like Craig Sager, 
uh, things like that. It's, it's just really cool, and it's nice to see something kind of fresh, but also recognizable in the midst of all this coronavirus panic that's basically brought sports to a halt. So, you know, sports really, they're, they're sort of romantic in a sense, and it's good to see, um, you know, something bringing that, that feeling back into popular culture and back into life. Like, I was even kind of watching it in the living room today and Shannon, my girlfriend, who's not typically like a big sports person was like really intrigued to the point where I like took out my headphones and we kind of watched a bit together. And it's cool seeing someone who's not that into basketball, just totally enthralled mm-hmm. with MJ, like cutting to the hoop and hitting a reverse layup. So um, right. it's good to, good to be back. Yeah. And I think it seems like everyone knows who Michael Jordan is. Um, and I, I'm, LeBron is definitely getting there. Would you say like most people, most people probably know more about MJ than they do LeBron. Of course, everyone knows Kobe, unfortunately due to his passing. Um, And LeBron is, it's phenomenal. We're not going to have an argument now or this debate, whether, (laughs) whether he's better than MJ, but um, yeah, comparatively, I guess I'm sure that we'll have some sort of LeBron documentary. Um, and he's also been pretty good with media and he's actually one of the fewer stars that seems to never be in the negative spotlight. I've never seen any sort of scandal for LeBron. He's definitely kind of kept, uh, his legacy intact as far as like things outside of sports. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll see that documentary one day, but for now I'll definitely content myself with the last dance. Yeah. So again, if you enjoyed listening to this make sure you share it leave us a review um, subscribe that definitely helps us out and for now we will talk at you next week see you then bye